I could not stress this more in the PT space because you are you have a lot of referral competition out there between the in-house PTs at healthcare systems in your area, orthos that have PT in-house. There's so many options for patients um, when they're going to PT. And so you have to be able to stand out above the crowd. Hello, welcome to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar with RehabUPracticeSolutions.com. And if you have not picked up the book, Better Outcomes, A Guide to Humanizing Healthcare, it is now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy books online these days. The publisher is telling me the best link to go to is Amazon. So go to amazon.com, search for Better Outcomes, A Guide to Humanizing Healthcare. You can get the ebook version or the paperback version with a potentially a uh, audio version coming in early 2023. So look out for that. <clears throat> Anyways, this week we are talking all things digital marketing, really, in healthcare. So um, my guest this week is Justin Knott from Entropy Marketing, and he focuses primarily on the healthcare space, primarily within that healthcare space, specifically in the private practice world. So this was a great conversation. I have a lot of conversations with clients pretty much on a weekly basis about the importance of digital assets and Um, the importance of some of your digital marketing initiatives, right? Whether it be SEO or domain authority or paid advertising versus organic searches and how it all fits together. Most of what I do is I help the organizations kind of with a high level strategic, this is your uh, positioning. Let's get your positioning right. This, that's going to feed the strategy or the strategic moves that you make within your organization, what kind of demographics you go after, the uh, target market you're looking for, all of that kind of stuff. And then on the back end, a lot of the, how do you, once you attract these leads or these prospective patients and clients, how do you uh, uh, keep them, acquire them, engage them, retain them, all of that kind of stuff. However, I don't do a lot of the boots on the ground building the websites for clients. I don't write copy for clients a lot of times. I have in in some cases, if I get really into a a project, I'm like, oh man, we can really crank out something good. Let me me show you what we've got here. Um, A lot of times what I do is I I help get the, the foundation set. And then it's really more financially beneficial for my clients to go search for um, vendors that can help them do things like putting the website together, running the ads for them, um, managing some of those digital assets for them because that's not something that I do a lot. I'd, I'd rather spend a lot of time doing the, the high level, getting everything set, and then handing things off to, um, to a, a, a 
skilled tactician and practitioner when it comes to the web development side of things. So it was great to sit down and talk with Justin because his group is rock solid on building the websites, on funneling traffic to the websites, on helping practice owners over the long term build a strong, uh, sustainable online presence and digital footprint, if you would. So what we talked about in this conversation was great. We had a conversation about the importance of direct-to-consumer advertising or direct-to-consumer marketing in general in healthcare. We talked about the differences between um, organic search and SEO ranking and strategy versus paid advertisements. We talked about some of the, the necessity for private healthcare practices to invest time and energy and effort both into creating the digital assets themselves, the websites, the ads, all of that kind of stuff, but then also the importance of original content and the, the value that, that content can provide a practice over and beyond the, t the original time invested in creating the content. We talked about the reason, one of the main reasons that this is important is because of the consolidation going on in healthcare. We had Mike Pekatowski on several episodes ago talking about mergers and acquisitions primarily in the physical rehab space, in the PTOT space. But that's really happening across healthcare, um, whether it be an MSO, whether it be a PE-backed organization, um, a bank-backed organization, buying up healthcare practices with the idea of going to insurance companies to um, negotiate higher rates, whatever the case may be. But one of the things that happens, and this happened to a client of mine as early as, as recently as, as a couple months ago, the their primary um, referral source, it was a, a physician that they had a, a relationship with for, for several years, um, their practice was purchased by the local healthcare regional system, right? That I think they owned like a hospital, a few outpatient clinics. Well, they bought this primary care practice that was referring a lot of business to, to my client's clinic. Well, overnight, their clients uh, dried up their referrals dried up. And it was because when the organization, when that hospital system bought that PCP office, they were trying to keep all the referrals in-house. So this client went from having a pretty decent referral stream to having virtually, it was like 90% of their referrals dried up. They were, they were freaking out trying to figure out what to do. And that's happening across the nation. And it's going to continue to happen, as Justin and I discuss in this podcast, because of things like that consolidation, the MSOs getting involved, uh, private equity capital getting infused into the healthcare system and driving a lot of that consolidation. So as an independent practice owner, as an independent clinician running a, a practice, maybe you have one location or maybe you have a couple locations, the importance of being able to reach out and communicate directly with potential clients, potential patients has never been more real than it is now because of that environment where everything's getting consolidated and referral sources are drying up. Um, at the practice that I run, Proactive Rehab and Wellness, I was running through the numbers for this last year, we're in December, running through everything for, for 2022 so far and comparing it to the previous year. And I think in 2021, um, it was we had already made the shift to trying to go direct to consumer and not cutting out, of referral partners, but using referral partners as another stream of referrals in an already robust system. Now it's taken some time to get there. You know, this has been a two-year process. Um, in 2020, it was like 
one percent. It was single digits um, of of prospective clients or clients that reached out to us that became clients um, that were direct to consumer. Most of most all of them in 2020 came from doctors, uh, referral partners, primary care offices, specialty clinics, all of that. By the end of 2021, it was inching up towards 40-ish percent. I think it was like 35, 36 percent. Um, and now this year, we're sitting at close to 70 percent. Last time I, when I looked at it this last week, it was like 68, 69 percent of patients that came into the clinic in 2022 uh, came to us because they saw us on digital, some digital space, whether it be a digital advertisement, Google search, um, some of our direct consumer marketing efforts, content. And my goal is over time, I mean, my, my real goal would be for it to be like three quarters, be like uh, 75% of, of the patients that come into the clinic being patients that search for us, find us and come to us, right? Or, or search for the service that we provide and then come to us. Um, and then everything that we get from doctors, uh, the referrals that we get from our referral partners that we've had for years ends up being really kind of shoring up the business, if you would, or uh, another uh, leg in the stool as opposed to being the only pillar of or the only source of patients coming into the clinic. So that's just a, a simple example. But Justin and I talked a lot about what healthcare practices can do, particularly private practices can do to rank higher in Google, to attract patients, to turn your website into not just something that you uh, put together that looks pretty, but actual, actually an asset that is providing value to the practice, that is adding money to your bottom line or to your top line, depending on how you're calculating all that kind of stuff. So um, without further ado, here's Justin Knott from Entropy Marketing, talking specifically about what private healthcare practice owners can do to improve their marketing efforts in today's environment. Well, hey, Justin, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very good today. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm looking forward to talking about all things healthcare marketing. But before Absolutely we dive into that, <laughs> tell me a little bit about uh, yourself, your work. You've been doing this for a decade, and and then we'll kind of dive right in. Yeah, absolutely. So my my name is Justin. Uh, our, the business that my wife and I own is Entropy Healthcare Marketing. Uh, we focus pretty squarely in the multi-location private surgical space and helping practices kind of a, uh, attract and retain patients. Uh, like you said, I've been doing it for about 10 years. My background is actually in the venture capital and early um, early stage investing space. That's kind of how I got the entrepreneurial itch is watching so many companies get started and funded. And my wife actually had the healthcare background. We were crazy enough to start this when we were dating out of a one bedroom oh, wow. apartment with no internet <laughs> um, almost 10 years ago out of Atlanta. And and I mean, we've been very fortunate um, 10 years later to work with some of the most amazing practices in the country, um, mid and large size. And my wife does a lot of the referral development stuff. And so we were really able to help practices on all sides from the digital landscape to going boots on the ground and training up people to go out in the field and build referral relationships. Awesome. Cool deal. Um, well, I guess the big the big question is we're, we're coming up at the end of 2022. Um, Moving into 2023, a lot of a lot of the people that listen to the show own a practice or, or managing mm -hmm. some kind of healthcare facility or something like that, and they're wondering kind of like what what should the marketing strategies be heading into the next year? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I do think uh, again, leaving kind of the digital um, conversation in just a second, 
don't forget about the referral development piece. I think that's really important, whether you're a PT group or you're a multi-location ortho, anybody that lives on referrals from primary care, hospitals, that stuff, COVID really put a halt to all of that. And that has subsided to a level where people are comfortable with you going back out. So I think continue to, to not lose sight of nurturing referral relationships. I think on the digital side, things have gone and will continue to go local. So I think making sure you're paying attention to some of the fundamental, really easy to do stuff in terms of your website and your Google My Business. Make sure you have your Google My Business squared away for each of your locations and put effort into building your reputation on those because not only can that cause referral leakage from a patient that's referred to you and you have a bad reputation, but it's also one of the biggest impacts on ranking and all those near me searches that every practice wants to rank for. But back to the basics of your website is if you can look at your website and you have a void in content for the treatments and conditions you'd like to rank for in terms of individual pages, you're never going to win that battle over other local healthcare practices and facilities and healthcare systems. So content, content is going to be, is key and will continue to be super key as a baseline to success in local search rankings. And I think on the other side, doing some level of advertising because there's there's such a um, opportunity now to go direct to consumer. I mean, even in orthopedics, we literally yeah. are booking thousands of patients for orthopedic urgent care facilities every month just using advertising. So people that say I'm 100% referral based, you're missing out on an opportunity. And what if a referral dries up because an MSO comes into town or a health system closes its referral walls. You've got to be prepared to build relationships direct to consumer. Yeah. Especially with all these consolidations happening. I, I'm sure you yep. see it too. You know, I work in the ancillary healthcare space and you'll have like a, a hospital system go out and buy, you know, a primary care office or a specialty office or something like that. And then they try to keep all those referrals in house. So they oh, literally sure. have been instances of PT clinics that I've worked with that like 90% of their referrals dry up because now this big health system well, even, is referring in house. I mean, you've got, you've got some massive MSO level PT organizations that have either been around for a long time or are quickly forming because private equity is getting involved. And it, it makes sense because you've lost your leverage against uh, and your negotiating power against the insurance companies and yeah. margins are so small anyways. It's really the only way to get that power back is to, um, gather together and use just sheer volume to get um, better payout. And so we're just going to continue to see that happening. But yeah, even in our world, like orthopedics, MSOs are the name of the game now. And you're seeing them just starting to buy up and work their way across the country. And so the whole landscape is really changing. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, so you mentioned website, you've talked about SEO a little bit. What do you tell somebody who we come across this a lot where somebody thinks that you know, their business is humming along in a good clip, they're busy, their clinic is full, like, why, why should I spend any money on doing the website? Like, isn't what I've got good enough? <laughs> you just, you never know what the future holds and everything has pointed to cons consumer engagement and consumer conversation with medical practice becoming more one-to-one. -one. Like they want more yeah. secure two-way text. They want to be able to get to their health records easier. They want to be able to get script refills without having to get on the phone and wait on hold. And all of that happens in the digital space, even like adoption rates with EHR patient portals. They were saying baby boomers won't get on board. And there's like a 1% adoption rate difference between the under 40 and the over 40 crowd. So everything is pointing to 
patients want to be able to connect with the potential practices or the practices that they are already going to for their health. And if even if you are already, say, booking three months out, you never know what can happen. And COVID proved that. COVID flipped everything on its head. It shut yeah. off referral ecosystems. It closed everybody's doors and it forced everybody online. So all of a sudden, people were scrambling to implement um call centers, trying to get website chat to triage patients, like anything that they could do. And if you're not planning ahead, you're, you're bound to, it, something's going to catch up to you. And we've even seen it with like, we've had an, or, we had an ortho group in Macon, for instance, that we were working on from a sales opportunity standpoint, they came to us because they'd been there for 40 years. It was all older orthos that had all of their referral networks. They were booked out for four or five months and then resurgence, the second or third largest orthopedic practice yeah. in the United States, walked into Macon and all their referrals dried up. And all yeah. of a sudden they're running around with their heads on fire trying to figure out how to get back in front of the patient. And it's because they ignored their brand equity, they ignored their online presence, they ignored their reputation, they ignored their SEO, they ignored all the things that give you a safe place to fall and not completely rely on referrals. And, yeah. and that's huge because like you're saying is with the creation and the rise of MSOs and healthcare systems acquiring practices, if you don't go that way, then the only option that you have is to go out and fight and claw for your own direct to consumer marketing efforts, because eventually your referrals are going to start going down. There's no way around that. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, part of that, you mentioned the the journey the patient journey, if you would, we talk about it a lot with our clients, like mm -hmm. the patient life cycle and all of, all of that has sure. really shifted in the last 10 years. Like you said, right? The, the majority of, of patients that are coming into practices now are looking you up on Google or mm -hmm. um, your website or, or whatever. So what are those, what are those, I guess, big ticket items or big things that you would look for on a website that's like, oh, this is a, this is a decent website. It's, it's checking all the boxes or man, this needs some improvement here. Absolutely. The just overall user experience and navigation, especially on mobile. I mean, there's really no way around that mobile has taken over and everybody's yeah. heard it, but it's, it, it is here. It's not going anywhere and it's only continued to grow as phone screens get bigger and um, cell reception improves. And you've got to first and foremost, make sure that people can get around your website really easily. The other, and the, I think the adoption has been way, way behind in this space is self-scheduling. Like you've got to have self-scheduling on your website. Like it is the last thing the patients want to see, honestly, a, a lack of the ability for them to schedule without having to like call and leave a voicemail, hope you call them back. Once you call them back, try to find time on the schedule. And then I think the other would probably be some type of like website chat or two-way text functionality. It's just all about ease of communication. And that's become, I just think from a customer relations standpoint, something that's been forgotten and the ones that do it right and can create that high touch point through their website um, and give the patients the ability to connect and chat with somebody and get an appointment scheduled is is absolutely huge. And then I think last is video. I think video is the way of the future. And if you can communicate your differentiators, the way you approach treatment, your your post-op and pre-op care follow-up, and you can do that through video, video as a medium, you're going to go a long way to making patients really happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does Do you, I mean, obviously SEO is important, how much of that are you focusing on, like putting specific things on the website and structuring the website versus, like you said, just getting good quality, relevant content out there? And then the follow up question is going to be, how do you convince these <laughs> these clinicians that they need to start creating some content? Yeah, for sure. 
So we do a little bit of both. I mean, structure is really key. And typically when we, and I do like a very high level audit, there's really two major things that are missing is like you said, the content is missing. So we got to get the content up there, usually 250 to 500 words, depending on how competitive the condition or treatment you're going after and how big of the city that you're in, that will vary. But the other critical part that the way that SEO works is a lot like an outline when you were taught to do outlines in like seventh or eighth grade. You've got like your most important numerical numbers and then it kind of goes down from there. And a lot of people just completely miss out on getting the proper focus keywords and the proper geographical anchor tags in their title tag. And what I mean by that is if you're going after uh, rotator cuff repair, you need to have rotator cuff repair in Atlanta or rotator cuff repair specialist in Atlanta. And most people just default to what WordPress does. And that's the name of the page and the name of the practice. Yeah. You don't need to put the name <clears throat> of the practice in your title tag, unless it's the about page, you're not going to have a problem ranking for the name of your practice and it doesn't help your frozen shoulder repair page. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, for sure. And um, then I'd say can the convincing side of things is, I mean, if you're not convinced by now that patients are going online and, and they're searching for the types of stuff that you do, it's going to be difficult to convince you otherwise. Yeah. I mean, and, and the reality is, is that the top three organic Google search results, especially when you include the map pack, like Google, my business get 90% of clicks. If you're not showing up a on the first page, but B in the top three, your website is essentially utter, utterly worthless. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Like if you've invested in a website and nobody sees it and nobody's going there through organic search, what value is it creating? Pretty much yeah. nothing. Because that means it only, only people finding it are people familiar with your brand. And that's about it. Yeah. And patients so, looking for directions or the number to call you back at, you're not bringing in new, new folks. Exactly. Those are all returning patients that are familiar with your brand and that's not adding value to your bottom line at the end of the day. And so from a convincing standpoint is you, you should be investing in it. And the reason why is that patients are out there and they're searching and their search volume numbers to prove it. And if you're willing to invest the time and the effort into it or the the monetary efforts into it to find somebody to help you do it, it's going to reap rewards because all you're doing is presenting yourself as an expert in your space at the top of search and then letting the patient do the rest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And one of those, when you talk specifically about like digital marketing and SEO and all that, there's just, there's a lot out there. You could bury yourself in dashboards and uh, analytics oh, yeah. and all of yeah. that kind of stuff. But especially for a busy, maybe a practice administrator or somebody that's managing a group for, for one of these ortho groups, like what should they care about in terms of like the reporting or the tracking that they're, that they're monitoring, maybe a couple KPIs that they should be following. Cause I mean, you can get way into the weeds with this kind of stuff. Yeah. And like, like a good example of what not to hold on to too tightly are things like keyword tracking, like uh -huh. clients get so hung up on that. Like I must rank number one for this keyword. But the reality is, is that can make you sleep well at night. But do you know if that is the money keyword that that converts more patients? Because you yeah. could have something searched 20,000 times versus something that searched 20, but 50% of those 20 people convert. And that could be a lot more valuable. So I think it is understanding, uh, I think, conversion metrics 
first and foremost is making sure you have Google Analytics or Google Analytics 4, which is um, really going to be the source of truth by June of next year, set up in the right way to know where are you sourcing patients from in terms of are they coming from organic? Are they coming from the different paid ads you may be investing in? Are they coming from social media? Where are they converting on your website? And where could you potentially optimize better to get more people to convert? Yeah. I think that's really important. And the the other side too is is the self-scheduling is why it is so critically important. Without that, unless you have a full stack integration with your EHR and your and your marketing efforts, it's going to be really hard to prove anything except just pure top of funnel lead generation. With the self-scheduling, you can at least know they went all the way through the scheduling. When you just have a contact form fill, that's the end of the journey for the most part. Somebody fills a form out, they, it gets sent to an email inbox, and then somebody at the front desk follows up. I mean, that's all the marketing agency is really going to be able to deliver to you. So I think making sure that you're investing in some tech that allows you to connect the dots a little bit better is going to be really, really important. So I think understanding your conversions, and then there should be at the organic search level, there should be a natural rise in website traffic that leads to more conversions and same thing on the paid ad side if you're investing in paid ads over time you should see conversions going up conversion percentages going up and the cost to acquire that patient going down and if you're not then you're probably not doing a good enough job to optimize um, your campaigns month in and month out yeah well and from a strictly because we haven't even talked about paid stuff yet like how much as a percentage for for a healthcare practice, multi-location practice, how much should they be expecting to get from organic search versus reaching out and you know paid ads on some platform or something like that? Or does it change as like early on, maybe you're spending a whole lot of money on paid advertisement, and then as your your SEO improves and your your organic rankings increase, and you know you can decrease some of your ad spend, and you're you kind of balance it out. Yeah, I think it's exactly what you said. I think that there is a weighted scale depending on the, I, I think the maturity of your organization, how long you have maybe been doing marketing and how old your website is that can influence this. But when you're starting out your first couple of years in, you haven't done much marketing. There's nothing quick really about SEO. It is a journey. It's going to take nine to 12 months to kind of fully get there and f where it's really creating value to your bottom line. Paid ads, fortunately, you can do in 90 days or less. And it does take ultimately nine to 12 months to sit down and say, where are we getting diminishing returns? Where should we put more ad budget to make really smart data decisions? But in terms of getting patients through the door, you can do that really quickly. So what I always tell people is you should look at probably waiting more early on to paid ads to bootstrap your marketing efforts and get people through the door and put more money into it. But always keeping your eye on the prize in terms of at the at the baseline, you want to grow your SEO because that's always going to be the highest ROI over time. And then as you start seeing more fruit on the SEO side, you can start shifting down your ads budgets, focusing them more on remarketing the people you're getting on organic and continue to put more into potentially like backlink building and second and third phase things in SEO. So I always say wait it to paid ads, but long-term you really need to keep your eye on the prize getting there with SEO, but you need to hedge your bet. You need to protect your bet yeah. just like you investing by investing in paid ads in the short term. Yeah. You, you brought up a topic here. So backlinking. So there are there are companies out there and, and agencies that you pay them, I don't know, 11, 1200 bucks a month, and they will go out and get you backlinks. How important are backlinks for SEO? And then 
is it something that you know a practice should look out look at going and acquiring one of these firms to do it on a on a recurring basis for them yeah great great question App, absolutely our backlinks critical and there are some extremely good organizations that are out there that just do that and have consumerized the whole entire experience and can get you very very quality stuff there's also you get what you pay for. There's also yeah. crap out there that's going to be really spammy. And I would stay as far away from that as possible. It's just not worth it. I think how we typically approach it is backlink building. And it can be done as part of phase one, but just depending on your budgets should really be a phase two focus because you need that cornerstone content before you ever really should go in and invest in backlink building. And so I think making sure that you've gone through the process of building out the, if you want to rank for it, you need a page for it part of the process. But once you get there, if you're stuck, especially if you're in a mid to large size market, you're, it's going to be difficult for you to get unstuck from like the seventh position or the fifth position without beginning to look at an, at backlink building as the next phase in your, your SEO kind of iterative process. And so that's what we usually do is we spend the first, say, six months really investing in content. And once we've got that foundation there, then we move our clients into the next phase, which is focused on backlink building to increase domain authority, but really go after very specific keywords on specific treatment pages that we need to get them to the top of search to, to generate more traffic for them to ultimately generate more patients. So yeah, I would recommend it. And there is some, some DIY out there like the Hoth and Fat Joe and a few of those that that I have industry experience with and know do a very good job. And you can spend a few hundred bucks and get a very quality backlink on a very quality website. Um, but a good agency should have that as a normal part of their SEO protocol, or it's going to be hard to do anything but just say, well, we've done all we can. Now let's write blogs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you you mentioned domain authority. So what is that for somebody that doesn't know anything about this? Good question. So domain authority is a number that kind of our industry has come up with on how impactful your website is in search results from Google. Um, it's kind of like the the FedEx rankings in golf, like you you get a cumulative score and the person at the top wins is it's a score from zero to 100. The ones close to 100, it's going to be very easy for them to rank like the YouTubes of the world, Google, Forbes, Inc, Wall Street Journal, all of them have 90 plus domain authority. It's why they can write an article about leadership and rank in the top three within a day where I could create a blog about leadership and try for five years and maybe yeah. never cross the top 10. And that is the power of domain authority. So if you're looking at two practice websites, and one's got age, um, say it's a 25 year old website. That's a big thing to, for domain authority because it's got it's got trust with Google and they've got content and backlinks and their domain authority is 50. And you've got a new website with little content and little backlinks and they've got a domain authority of 10. It's going to be very hard no matter what you do for that domain authority 10 website to outrank most things that that website with a 50 domain authority has. And so it is important over time to focus on building your domain authority because it's building trust with Google that says you're good to put us at the top because our information is solid. We're not going to steal information from the from the patient, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And what other than backlinks, I mean, what what kind of things can can practices do to improve that domain authority? Is it simply creating more content or or what? 
Yeah. It's, it's content. It's, it's site structure. Um, it is things like SSL certificates, things that have become mainstays. They were preached for a long time to switch over 99% of the internet has, but security is a really big thing for Google because they're in the patient, they're in the the search experience game. And so people getting their credit card information stolen on a website yeah, is, isn't good, is yeah. bad on Google because <laughs> they showed that person that website to go to. So security Backlink authority, age is a really, really big one um, algorithmically. That's just going to naturally help you. So even if you're a new what, if even if you're a new practice, going and investing in potentially a little bit more expensive domain in the auction and paying a few thousand dollars that you're like, why would I do that when I can buy a eight dollar domain? But if you get one that's got a good standing with Google and has maybe been on the internet for twenty years, that's going to literally give cut two years of time off of your your ranking yeah. journey. And so that that is why people may be like, why would you ever go to the auction and spend $10,000 on a domain? It's like, cause you're gonna spend $10,000 in SEO to mature your brand new domain you spent 10 bucks on. So the, and, but it's really is the base stuff. It's content, it's backlinking, it's age and it's trust in terms of security on your website. Those are the biggest things that you can do. Yeah. Yeah, I think <clears throat> like you said, there's, there's no easy way out. And some people- um, No, there's not. There's no Some people I've talked to, to yeah, exactly. Like, how yeah. much can I pay you to make me rank number one in Google? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and not not enough money in the world right there. And Google wants purity in its search results. They don't want corners to be able to be cut. They want you to have the the best search experience and the most accurate search experience possible. It's even why you've seen such a huge shift um, to Google My Business and Google Business profiles now being the primary focus of what Google's doing because and it. And Google, if you really understand where we're heading, it's to Google's advantage to cut websites out of the conversation, to yeah. use them as a content aggregator to show in rich snippets the answer to the question you're looking for. So it's Google providing value to you and not my website. And that's what they're trying to do. It's why they want user-generated content in the form of reviews put on Google business profiles. So it's up to the consumer to tell Google who's the best out there and they should rank number one. And then they'll just let websites create tons of content and do that job while they extract that information and present it front and center without you ever having to visit a website. And that's what Google's thinking. Yeah. Is. Which is, I mean, you see it all the time, right? You search um, like what are the best uh, treatments for shoulder pain or something like that. And they Google has a little have snippets. It, it'll have a bulleted up. list. And yeah. so you never even go to the website <laughs> and read it. You just scan that really quick and you move on. And that's what Google wants. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Google's taking over the world. <laughs> yeah, not to scare anybody out there, yeah, but exactly. your website might be obsolete in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, It won't but, though, because they still need your content. Exactly. Yeah. They, yeah. they still need what you're creating. So. so just two things will happen. Organic search traffic on your website will start probably dropping over time and anonymity in terms of direct traffic users in Google Analytics will start rising because now you have iOS products and Android products that have high levels of privacy and security. And now they even have where you can create like pseudo emails through your iOS device. So email lists are gonna become tougher to get really good emails on. Direct traffic will start rising and your organic search may start falling because Google's doing so much in rich snippets. Yeah. All righty. Um, I guess the last thing we haven't really covered is has been paid advertisements. So as far as you, you hear it everywhere, well, you got to do Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or something, right? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are there, is it like a specific 
platform or or I guess, yeah, a social platform that you should focus on given your medical specialty? Or is it one of those kind of you spray in all the, all the big ones and then begin optimizing after you see some data come in? Yeah, great question. I think when it comes to the social media ecosystem, it starts first and foremost with understanding your patient personas, your patient demographic, because that is ultimately what tells you where you need to be focusing your social media efforts. If you're serving a um, say if you're in PT and you're serving kind of two markets, you've got the like young adult student athlete market that you'd like to come in, but you also have the older baby boomer population. Those things could really be two sides. That could be TikTok and short video form content, and it could be Facebook because that's where the older demographic is. So I think you always answer the question first of who is my audience and where does that audience spend time? And then you say secondarily, what content works best on that platform? Is it short form video? Is it long form video? Is it audio? Is it is it visual graphics like GIFs? And, and then you can back into where do we want to spend our time to have success on that platform and reach patients investing into content. And I think, and then thinking through what it, what does my content process look like to get the providers involved because that's who patients want to hear from and want to see without monopolizing too much of their time because time is money for yeah. providers, plain and simple. So how can I get them to spend 15 minutes as a PT filming some demonstration videos about how to uh, techniques, DIY home techniques to um, unlock a frozen shoulder or things like that. That's huge. Um, but you got to be able to figure out how to make it really easy on yourself so you can just spend little time or it'll never happen. And yeah. so that's what we always advise people is, is be, um, be very pointed in your process and, but always start with who's my patient, where are they, what content works best in that platform? And then how are we going to go about pre-planning ahead of time, at least one month ahead so we can focus on content development first and then only have to focus on engagement as we're posting. Yeah, exactly. I think that's so big back to the, it goes back to the quality content thing, right? Like there, there are yeah. groups out there that you pay, I don't know, whatever the, the fee is. And they give you so many blog articles and so many videos a month. And a lot of them are just canned, right? They might change yeah. a couple of oh, things. Yeah. And, um, especially for clinicians, which, you know, healthcare is very much a relationship business, not that others are, but healthcare really is a is. much more relationship focused. There's nothing you're, more you're, personal than your health. Exactly. <laughs> you're going to see a, a specialist yep. or a expert, yeah. an expert in this. Um, it's very, it's critical that the, that the patient or prospective patient is hearing, you know, straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, what, 100%. you know, what this ortho group thinks about treating frozen shoulder or, or something like that. So, Oh yeah, I completely agree. Especially the the younger crowd or i mean even because you have a big pt audience i could not stress this more in the pt space because you are you have a lot of referral competition out there between the in-house pts at healthcare systems in your area orthos that have pt in-house there's so many options for patients um, when they're going to pt and so you have to be able to stand out above the crowd and the best way to do that is to connect with um, high school athletes that are in your area and give them PT recommendations, at-home 
stretching protocols, all these types of things that would help. Like I played collegiate athletics that would help a student athlete at home. And then when I do tweak my quad, you're going to be first of mind because I know that I can trust the way that you're going to approach it to get me back on the field. Yeah, that's huge. All right. Absolutely. Um, well, we're getting near the, the top here. I always end with this. If there's like one or two main points you would want a practice owner or a medical administrator to, to walk away with from the episode around marketing their, their medical or healthcare practice, what would, what would they be? Good question. I'd say number one is because it's the easiest thing to do. And one of the most impactful is get your Google business profile house in order and set some type of process up with your front desk and in your clinic rooms to build reviews. That can be as simple as creating a QR code and putting in a stand you bought on Amazon and pointing yeah. people to it. And that's, it's that simple. And we've, we've seen it make a huge impact is get, you got to get something in place there and you got to pay attention to it because it matters so much. And the other side is you gotta you gotta get buy-in from your providers one way or another, whether it's them have doing written content or creating video content, but they can't ignore the marketing program and expect it to fully succeed uh, as well as it could. And I think that's really important to understand is there's no way for you to completely get out of it and say, well, we hired somebody, they can yeah. handle it. Like it's your business, you need to protect it. And that means you got to pay attention at some level to the marketing. And it could be as simple as time blocking 30 minutes a month for you to do something that can add value as the expert at the practice that patients want to hear from. And I think those two things are get buy-in from your provider and invest time and effort into building your reputation, even if it's a free process versus software, do something. I think those are probably the two biggest takeaways. Awesome. Cool deal. Well, Justin, where can people find out more about you, about Entropy, about working with you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really active on LinkedIn. So just check me out, Justin Knott. I'd love to connect and network. I put a ton of content out, uh, YouTube videos, those types of things about different ways to, to use advertising and all the things that we talked about today to generate more patients. And then our website, Entropy, I-N-T-R-E-P-Y, Entropy.com. Check us out and you can see a bunch of case studies and everything in terms of what we do and how we might be able to help you. Awesome. Cool deal. And if you're, if you're watching on video, he's got it spelled right behind his head. So <laughs> exactly. It's backwards. It's on the wall. It's maybe forward for you. It looks backwards for me, but it's on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Cool deal. Well, uh, Justin, thanks so much, man. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Justin, not talking about specifically what private healthcare practice owners can do to improve their marketing efforts. I think I get the question a lot when I talk to clients and prospective clients about where they should be investing their effort and their time when it comes to marketing in general. Like, can I just pay somebody to make it happen? Can I just hire somebody to run the ads for me? Can I um, just pay somebody to build a website and then call it a day? And the reality is that marketing, and Justin mentioned this too, and it's one of the things that I always tell to my clients and prospective clients is that, while you can check the box, while you can pay somebody to do some of this stuff, to do the advertising, to put the website together, it requires, and I, I said this in the last episode too, we are moving into a world where consumer-driven selection processes of their healthcare providers, of everything, is going up, right? Clients and prospective patients are Googling and reading about their 
prospective options for a healthcare provider before they even book an appointment, which means that this can no longer be one of those check the box types of activities. Everything around the marketing strategy, the, the messaging, the mission, vision, values of the organization even all come into play. And that requires that the clinicians themselves, the treatment team, are involved at some level in, um, in the marketing piece, whether it be content creation or crafting that vision. Um, you can't simply just toss this hot potato to an organization, to a, a vendor, to a, a firm, to an ad agency, and hope that it works out well. So one of the things that I encourage all of my clients to do is to create content on a regular basis and not just content for SEO, but like specific content about specific conditions that ties in their view of healthcare, their, their view of the way that this condition should be treated, X, Y, Z, you name it. We want their point of view um, to be very apparent in the content they're creating because that's going to attract a certain type of patient to them, their best patient, right? As opposed to just casting a wide net for anybody who's going to show up and then end up taking a slot on their calendar and no showing or canceling because they don't see the value. So the importance of of tying it all in to your point of view. One of the things that I've picked up over the years from several of the trainings that I've been involved in and just the work that I've done with organizations and with my own practice is that in the knowledge space, or in the, the expertise space, if you would, you can read David Baker's book. Um, I know I've quoted him on like two podcasts back to back, but his book, The Business of Expertise, really talks about this. Blair Enns talks about this and Win Without Pitching. But in the expertise business, where people are buying your, they're not buying your technical skills, so to speak, they're buying your expertise, the knowledge that you have. And I talk about healthcare providers, this, the value that we bring to any patient interaction or patient encounter is knowledge translation. So we are very much in the knowledge space. Um, pro, uh, prospective patients, prospective clients, what they want is they want um, to read and learn about your, um, your point of view, and then they want you to use that point of view or bring those insights to bear on their own situation, right? So that needs to be part of your marketing effort. The, the articles that you write, the videos that you create need to in some way communicate to prospective patients, prospective clients, what you believe about healthcare, how you believe it should be run or how it should be delivered, what they can expect when they show up at your clinic. Um, and it's ideal if this is done throughout the organization. It doesn't help if, you know, if there's 15 doctors involved and only one is creating the content, it's not going to have the same effect as if all the team members, all the treatment team members are going to be creating content together. So at the organization I run, Proactive Rehab and Wellness, um, it is almost a requirement of employment <laughs> at this point um, for uh, clinicians that are going to be treating patients to create some kind of content. Now, we're not spending hours and hours and hours every week on it, but we are spending some time, and it is an investment in time and energy and financial resources to create content because in the long run, what we want is people and prospective patients to identify with the vision that we have cast for healthcare, specifically at Proactive, and that comes from all of the team members singing from the same song sheet, if you would. Um, so again, it's not something as simple as 
hiring an ad agency to run your Facebook ads or your Instagram ads or, or whatever it is, your Google ads. Because if the underlying messaging, the underlying positioning of those ads leaves much to be desired or isn't the way you want it, then you're not going to get the results that you really deserve and want from your marketing. So anyways, that's all I've got to say about that topic. I could talk about the importance of positioning and point of view and all of that when it comes to marketing and the patient experience. We talk about it a lot in the ultimate patient experience blueprint. We work on that with clients. Side note, if you're interested in, in crafting your marketing strategy for the upcoming year. Um, but yeah, anyways, so that's all I've got to say about that. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. It helps people find the show. Um, if you want to be notified when we drop new episodes, you can head on over to rehabupracticesolutions.com, click the insights tab, and then the page for podcasts and sign up there. And we send out uh, the show notes and links to our guests' uh, information and all that kind of stuff via email. Um, whenever we drop an episode and we do that usually every other week sometimes like at the tail end of 2022 we've got some episodes in the backlog we're trying to get out so we're going every week so <laughs> sometimes there are bonus episodes involved and if you run a private healthcare practice primarily in the ancillary healthcare space so physical therapy occupational therapy something in that nature and you want to craft a marketing strategy that is going to bear fruit in the long run and is going to help you attract, acquire, engage, and retain more patients despite some of the consolidation that we're seeing in healthcare and referral sources drying up and all of that kind of stuff, then reach out to me. I'd love to have a conversation with you and what you've got going on and, and see if it's a good fit and whether or not we can help you. Um, you can do that at RehabUPracticeSolutions.com. There's links there to schedule a free 30-minute uh, call with me. Um, what I tell folks is it's free. It's 30 minutes and uh, worst case scenario is you end up having an interesting conversation, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. Right. Um, and that's it. So until the next time, folks, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.RehabUPracticeSolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.